Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. So this week we are um, a teetotal, aren't we, Oliver? Yeah, we're, we've, we've, we've um, been skiing and um, we're a bit tired and jaded and we're teetotal, so um, I'm just having Coke um, and I'm a bit miserable, a bit miserable. Okay. I've, got, I've got no booze affective disorder, yeah. I think. So uh, today we are going to discuss seasonal affective disorder. Ah, yes, I've heard of this. Otherwise known as winter depression. Yeah. Which is, I think, a better word for it, really, because it is a form of depression. Yeah, and it's the winter that it affects. That's right. the season it affects, because right. that's when it's darkest, right? right. Um, there's a commoner form of it, which is sort of mild, which isn't proper depression, but seasonal affective disorder is kind of uh, indistinguishable, according to... Uh, Mr. Norman Rosenthal from um, depression, major depression at other times. So who's this geezer? Why does he know what he's talking so about? So he's an interesting character, actually, because he's from South Africa, where which, um, you know, pretty sunny place, quite mm. not that far from the equator. Moves to New York in the summer uh, for a research position. He's a psychiatrist. And he's, he's described as being full of energy, mm. right, and productive. And then he moves to uh, Maryland, which is oh, yeah. further north. It is, yeah, of course. Uh, in winter as well, uh-huh. uh, which is where the National Institute of Mental Health is in the US. Uh, and uh, notices a dip in his mood. So he's a typical psychiatrist, mad as a bag of cats. Right. But uh, that's useful, yeah. right? Yeah, only, yeah. Only the, only the uh, wounded can heal, right? Oh, nice one. Very good. Yeah. So uh, he um, was the first person to coin the phrase seasonal affective disorder in 1984. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yo, South Africa is really south. It's n- yeah. But it's not as south as you'd think. So in the Southern Hemisphere. No. Yeah. So in, in fact, he wouldn't have had long long days in the summer and uh, no. uh, long nights in the winter as much as he would in Maryland. No, I don't know if you've been down there. Cape I have, Town, I've been there. to Cape Town. You don't notice the there isn't that much variation. I well, I wasn't there long enough, but no, I, um, it's not. I think yeah, it's because the Mercator projection always fools you. Yeah, right? it does. Not Mercator because uh, they've always the 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 equator, <laughs> the equator, the equator. Always, yeah, yeah. The equators yeah. are always um, about two thirds of the way down the. Yeah. Thing. It's to make Britain look really massive, which I quite like. <laughs> It's like about half the well, size of Africa. Not just Britain. It's just way more. There's just way more land in the northern yeah, hemisphere, and way more countries, and yeah. way more people. So you forget how far north we are, in fact. Right. Mm. So you know, if you think about the the, the biggest population of um, <laughs> of my phone just buzzed by the way, um, so professional, uh, Australia. You think of that being quite far south? It's not that. It's not that close to the pole. It's still. You know, if you think half of Australia is still kind of um, tropical. Yeah, I looked that up and it is a lot less south than we are north, well, for sure. Yeah, it's about proximity to the pole, right? Mm. <clears throat> and so um, uh, SAD is pretty rare in Australia. But we can talk about, um, I thought we could come back to sort of rates, of prevalence rates, if you like. But... Um, yeah, it's let's interesting. Discuss what it actually is first. Right. I think, so, I think Rosenthal's your man. Yeah. So 
this is this is Rosenthal speaking. He was saying every year, as the days become short and dark, people with SAD develop a, a predictable set of symptoms, and he basically um, describes depression, but um, with a few quirks that he thinks he he, he uh, determined were sort of more common in SAD than in depression at other times. But but they slow down, have a hard time waking up in the morning, energy level decreases. They tend to eat more, which is not necessarily typical of depression. Can be, especially though, uh, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You can, um, but it's not typical. Mm. Um, especially sweets and starches, and gain weight. Um, the concentration suffers. Well, that's a general uh, depression symptom, and they withdraw from friends and family, which again is a symptom of any kind of depression. Uh, as you can imagine, their work and relationships suffer and they can become uh, quite depressed. Um, this symptom cluster often lasts for four or five months until the days become longer again. That is great. Didn't he say something about its um, exposure to light? Therefore, if yeah. uh, if there's a if you're in an environment where there's lots of cloud and the and the, which blocks the light, yeah. that can also lead to a fury. So it's not just latitude and, and the length of day; it's also the amount right. of sunlight hitting your right skin. Right, that is true. It's going to be a combination. I think you probably mm. you, you're unlikely <clears throat> to develop. If you're sitting on the equator and uh, you have a, a few days of a few cloudy days in a row, it's still going to be pretty bright, I think, because right. the sun's right above it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're in a northern latitude, but also if your um, if your office is is a windowless bunker, right? Mm. So um, because it is about the contact with light rather than necessarily uh, the latitude, and you're sounding like it doesn't even matter if it's not sunlight. I think you're saying potentially well, that artificial light can help as well. Well, the lack of sunlight is the is the mace, is the most important thing, and Got then it. an artificial light is not a very good. It doesn't compensate very well. Right. Right. And there are reasons for that which we can come to later, but uh, windowless offices, basement apartments should be avoided, basically, especially if you're in northern latitudes. So um, he, say, he goes on to say, in its full form, SAD affects productivity in work or school, may affect interpersonal relationships and causes a marked loss of interest or pleasure in most activities, which when we said when we were covering what is depression, these are the core symptoms, Absolutely. Right? No, no difference from what um, I can see. But what was interesting is he recognised a milder form, uh, that, which he called the winter blues, which is probably very common in um, Scandi countries and so on, um, uh, where uh, en energy is decreased um, uh, and there might be increased appetite. Um, it affects your enthusiasm and productivity, but to a lesser extent. Well, I mean, this comes back to what you've always said about it being a continuum depression. You don't, you don't, it's not like having a fever. You, you, you have a, a bacterial virus that you're, you're fighting and your temperature goes up. Right. Depression seems to me, from what you've been telling me over the last few weeks, is much more of a continuum. And when it starts to affect your everyday life, that's when you can start to That's when you can start that. calling it a disorder, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. That's what it so, seems like to me. So, yeah, that's why... SAD as opposed to winter blues, right? Winter, seasonal affective disorder. That's affecting your, markedly affecting your functioning. So he, as I say, he himself suffered probably from winter blues, not seasonal affective disorder. Right. I, I used to work in an SAD clinic, actually. And so I, I was in the business of dealing with uh, formally diagnosing it. So you would have thought it would be straightforward. But um, the... 
to, to come to arrive at a formal diagnosis which is consistent with the Diagnostic Statistical Manual 5, DSM-5. Ah, the old DSM-5. Now, you've mentioned this before. Which is now, this is a categorization of disease, right? It is, and it's, that's the North American system. And there's a, a European or WHO, World Health Organization equivalent, which is the ICD, International Classification of Diseases mm. 10. They're working on the 11. I've version. seen that. Do you know how many entries there are on it? Because I actually studied it, uh, just to see. Bloody loads. That's right. Bloody loads. <laughs> but it, to put a number on it, uh, 70,000. 70,000 different things you can have, and many of those you can die from, because I was trying to compile some suicide statistics right. for our suicide app. Right. But that's not, I mean, that's not, of course, mental disorders are only part of the ICD. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but hun literally hundreds of Yeah, 70,000. Uh, so, um, you need at least a two-year period of seasonally related depression. So, autumn or winter onset with spring or summer symptom remission. So, you need at least two of those. But that's to be defined... Consecutive. To be, that, it's, that's to be diagnosed with something that doesn't exist in DSM. <laughs> no. Uh, well, <clears throat> it doesn't exist as a standalone diagnosis, interestingly. Right. So, it, this is recognising the fact that, that it's a form of depression. So, what it is... What you do in DSM-5 is you use it as a specifier. Aha. So you say that the diagnosis is recurrent depression, but with the seasonal specifier. Oh, so it is covered it, in that sense. So it's so. covered. So it's in there. Quite like that. But the point is it's not a standalone diagnosis separate from recurrent depression. Got it. So it is a form of recurrent depressive disorder. Or, as I'll come to, it could be bipolar. So the risk factors, obviously, diminish light during winter. Family history of seasonal affective disorder, we'll come back to that, and female gender. So, so let's see if I've got that right. I think what that says is <clears throat> um, it's a depressive illness like any other depressive illness. It can be uh, bipolar or, or unipolar, yeah. if, that's yeah. a, if that's the right thing. But it's but triggered. The, it's triggered, yeah. It's triggered by lack of sunlight. Right. You, almost, you, almost always in August and recovery in the right. spring. Right, and they think that there might be a <clears throat> genetic basis for that particular vulnerability or that cool. particular trigger which sort of makes sense does that mean if you're a bipolar person and you're having a depression it's likely to be worse in the winter or it's likely to come on in the winter no how extraordinary it's a completely different set of different mechanisms no because if it did then you'd put that specifier in right obviously the number of seasonal major depressive episodes must substantially outnumber non-seasonal depressive episodes because yeah, conceivably you could you could be running a clinic and someone comes along and says I've had six winter depressions and one summer depression. You're not going to say, oh, well, no, you haven't got a season, you know. No. So it sort of will make sense because it's going to affect how you uh, think about treating them. Good. There is a seasonal pattern assessment questionnaire that was developed by Norman. A SPAC. A SPAC, in fact. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, epidemiology. Should we yes. talk about that? Yeah, I'm interested in this because this is where we talk about um, the amount of people suffering from it. And yeah. um, I, I'm, I'm interested, perhaps obsessed, with um, <laughs> the north-south divide. Yeah. And uh, can you please create a formula for vulnerability based on oh, your latitude? I'd love to do that. And you say no. I love formulas. Idiot. Give me some time, man. <laughs> Get some data and some data. We'll do a mailbag on it. Yeah. An update. Um, because a big country like, uh, let's think of a big, a big long country in the Northern Hemisphere like uh, uh, Lebanon or uh, Norway and see if the prevalence in the south and the north. Lebanon? Lebanon's surprisingly long. You ski in Lebanon. Weirdo. Yeah. Isn't I don't know, just because it's got, it's not that long, is it? 
pretty long. Norway's pretty stretchy. It is, but it how started about, at a high point. How about Norway? America? America's surprisingly squashed, even on the No, it isn't. Canada. It's got, Al- it's got Alaska, you idiot. The top yeah, of it. I suppose we could use Alaska and Hawaii. Yeah, so it's, it's quite long. Right, good. <laughs> it is therefore um, quite long. And also, conveniently, is where most of the data comes from. Excellent. Mr. Rosenthal uh, did like a lot guy. of his research in North America. So um, he determined that 6% of the US population is affected by seasonal affective disorder. And what's the percentage of people who suffer from depression generally? I can't remember. Uh, about 5%. Oh, it can be higher. It depends if you're talking about right now, this minute. Or over a year. Mm, Of course. So it's higher than that over over a year. And it's higher than that over a lifetime, of course. Right, Mm. right. But another 14% suffer from a lesser form of the the winter blues that we talked about. So that's actually quite a... That's a lot of people, Quite a lot of people. But, of course, it is dependent on latitude, which is your pet subject. Yeah, and cloud cover. So the prevalence of SAD in the United States ranges from 1.5% to 9%, depending on latitude. So Alaskans, Brilliant. it's 9%. Wow. It's a whopping 9% will, uh, uh, rate of uh, SAD. That's absolutely extraordinary. Quite high. Because actually, even Texas isn't that close to the equator, right? <clears throat> Pretty close. Yeah, okay. Uh, an even greater rate uh, of winter blues, too, in Alaska, 25%. Wow. Quarter of the population. Wow. Uh, Three quarters of those affected by winter blues are women. Um, But they're more susceptible to depression in general. As we discovered in our Women with Depression Um, episode. This uh, is incredible. I mean, it absolutely proves beyond all doubt that it exists. Because you wouldn't have that variation in in low mood in the winter by latitude. I don't think there's any question that it exists now. I I think there's... um, there's just too much data to support it. Interestingly, you were saying about cloudy conditions. Ireland gets a lot of weather. And there are many different names for different types of rain. Mm, it's always a sign. 20, 20% of Irish people are affected by SAD, they reckon. That's high, isn't it? For that latitude. Yeah, considering yeah. the latitude's not that. It's right. not like Norway. Is it just that rain's a bit annoying as well? <laughs> or is it basically... Yeah, it could be. Like... It's, quite, it's just annoying, isn't Quite it? hard, probably, to tease out... <laughs> A relative contribution of that, of that, yeah. Well, it's like if you sort of kept on tickling someone with a piece of grass. For no, I tell you what it'd be. I'll that might you. piss you off. Yeah. Well, I tell, <laughs> I tell you what it'd be. It'll be because they don't want to go outdoors in the rain. Who wants to go outdoors? There's been more time ah. in artificial I like light. That theory. I think that's a brilliant theory. I don't know if you've ever been in a snug in Ireland. They're mm. great little mm. snug bars. Of course. And someone <gasps> playing the violin. They love them. And they love them. They got more strings on the violin than teeth. Of course, uh, they, uh, their favourite place to hide away from the weather is a pub. Mm. And per capita, they are the biggest drinkers in the world. The Irish are? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. God so that's, uh, that's going to be contributing God probably bless to their the little depression. Blighters. God bless their cheeky little... But it's Guinness, a depressant, so it's Guinness not. drinking folk. It's not, it's not, a, it's not, a, sustainable, uh, um, not a sustainable strategy for beating it. I, I, I like this thing that you found about the um, sixth century scholar uh, uh, who who was the first person we think to um, actually um, identify the uh, the winter blues? Yeah, Scandi. Um, what was he called? Goscola. Jordanes. 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 It sounds like in Getica. Yeah, the origin and deeds of the Goths or the Getai. That's nice. And he said, <laughs> "Yeah, we get a bit pissed off." Where he describes the inhabitants of Scandinavia and basically said they're a lot of miserable people. So I heard something from someone who um, is spending a lot Only of time in, in the um, uh, in the northern Northern Isles of Scotland. 
Shetland, the, the furthest island in Shetland. Mm. And he says they have much more of a Nordic philosophy than a Scots philosophy and that they have a tradition of getting together in the middle of the winter to build a boat, the men. And right. uh, his theory was... Oh, that gets them outside. Right. He gets them outside, he gets them all together, he gets them a sense exercise. of community, gets them exercise, sense of purpose. Uh, and nice. um, the theory is that that is some way of trying to tackle, from a community perspective, the, the issue of the winter blues among the men folk. And maybe uh, Christmas is all about that. Because yeah. isn't it the case that Christ was born on our calendar, modern calendar, around September time? I think he was just because he was old for his year, wasn't he? Uh, he was one of his old for his year. He's very big. That's when he, he made was. the... He made the rugby first thing because he was old mm, for his precocious. year. Mm. Precocious. Yeah, he was. Precocious son of God. Um, <laughs> the... That was his first school report. <clears throat> He's a very precocious deity, um, mm. claiming to be the son of mm. claiming to be the son of God. And got A plus for attainment, didn't he? <laughs> Victor Ladorum. I'm not sure about cricket. energy, though. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, application. Because I mean, it was pretty effortless for him, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when you... That... But then it was, a, it was moved to uh, the pre-existing pagan ritual of the winter solstice right? yeah could be which probably was a lot to do with brightening people up getting them out of their winter yeah. blues in the bleak or even sad yeah uh by hanging things off trees for the gods right and then yeah. the, then the trees came indoors of course because of the catholics burning and christmas and crackers killing. who doesn't like a cracker i was going to chew up have a have that's a... only the brit that's only britain by the way oh is it but it yeah. might be our way it's not a nordic it. tradition oh. winter blues have uh, one single domino uh, inside a cracker, that'll mm. cheer you up. Uh, what about what's this about Iceland? Right, so uh, it's confused a lot of uh, researchers and scholars. This one, mm. Iceland seems to be an exception. So it, it's it's well north. stubbornly north, northern yeah, latitude, really north, but cheerful. <laughs> but um, the rate of uh, SAD is low in both sexes. That's weird. And have you ever seen Bjork do stand up? Uh, no, but I bet hilarious. she'd be good. Yeah, yeah, no, she's hilarious. And mm. so I, that's incredible because have you been to Reykjavik or anywhere in Iceland? No. Miserable in the winter. Well, absolutely I, miserable. I, I can't imagine it, it being um, easy, it, particularly cheap night out either. Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, mm. I thought uh, it was extortionate for a pint of beer there. Oh, you did go to Reykjavik then? No, I just heard about it. Ah, uh, right, yeah. No, and was... that put that put me off forever. Typical, but typical Nordic prices. But, I like uh, my, I like my beer. I didn't think Sweden was that expensive when we went skiing. No, it was. It worked about resort. six quid a pint for a yeah. half liter. Yeah. I think you'd pay more than that on the French slopes. Anyway. You would on the French slopes for six quid a pint. It, it drove me into a period, a very brief period of um, uh, of winter expensive blues. beer affective disorder, <laughs> uh, which has now uh, been recognised by uh, by uh, DSM. I'm feeling a bit low, DSM Doctor. Have you been charged excessively for, for a pint lately? You can't just make yeah. up your own DSM, you know. Really? It's not open source? Well, I suppose you can. That's a close bullshit close shot for the medics. DSM 6. We'll tell you when a new disease Authored by discovered. Oliver Turnbull, a crank. <laughs> a persistent crank. A persistent crank. To the administrator of the DSM. Um, so, yeah, a study of more than 2,000 people in Iceland, prevalence was really low, and they were like, oh, for God's sake, Why? We thought we had a theory here that worked. Mm. Uh, and then he looked at um, Canadians of holy Icelandic descent. Guess what? Really low incidence of SAD. What? He's got one weird theory. I think it's weird. Yeah. But it's all down to fish consumption. Uh, I mean, sounds... I know fish oils are good for the brain and everything, right? Everyone knows that. It's a Monty Python-esque explanation. <laughs> it's like they, they eat 90 kilograms of fish per person per year, right? Are you As eating opposed... fish? It's ridiculous. 
Just a little bit of sushi. 90 kilograms per person as opposed to 24 kilograms in the US and Canada. Do you think fish might fight depression or fish just might fight the <laughs> winter blues? Well, there is some evidence, it's not very strong, but that fish oils help all mental illness, including depression, schizophrenia, a bit of a generic effect, right? right. So, yeah, could be. Wow. But uh, I think it's more likely that it's about how long you've lived in the northern climes. You know what I mean? So if, if, if the Icelandics somehow got split off from everyone quite early on... They've right? adapted better over the... Yeah, natural Millennial? selection. There's maybe maybe the the winter blues people being too sluggish. Can't be bothered to breed. But they'd, but they'd, <laughs> joking, they'd breed in the summer. They'd um, breed in the summer like crazy. I'm feeling better. Yeah. Life is worth living. Come over here, um, Elsie. Yeah, but maybe in the, the marginal ice age environment. You know, oh, fact you don't get depressed in winter. It's going to give you the edge. I don't know. But but if they've been, I don't. Uh, someone needs to. I, I can't. I couldn't find any. I, to be honest, I couldn't be bothered to look it up. Whether Good. Icelandic populations have been. In Iceland for longer than, than the rest of the Scandies. Mm. Uh, you in must, Scandinavia. By the way, that's quite a good advertisement for our podcast. Quite scantily researched. Why the long face? <laughs> Only on that point. Yeah. The rest of it is deep research. It man. is deep research. But I think stuff. the Nordics uh, may have just, it might be just recent arrivals. In which case, well, you know, don't have time to adapt. Might be. I like your theory, actually. Um, in fact, I'm liking all your theories today. You've done very well. <coughs> Thanks, uh, man. Um, yeah. It, I, I like the fish. I like the time to adapt. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I definitely like Jordanes in Getica um, because he said some interesting shit. Right. So um, Where I, think I, I think we've pretty much done epidemiology, mm. uh, apart from to just reiterate SAD is rare in the southern, southern hemisphere. Um, and we know why that is now. Yeah. Less countries in the Southern Hemisphere that are close to the pole, right. despite what Mercator says. Well, Mercator seems to show, yeah, because mm. Mercator's lying to you. You've <laughs> got to look on a globe. So maybe we should come back after our sponsors to talk about the uh, the um, putative mechanism behind SAD. Uh, you've got me with that word. All right, we're back. Because <laughs> uh, the... we don't have any sponsors yet. And, <laughs> and what um, was the word? Can anyone remember the word? Putative. Putative. Okay. I always like to throw in uh, a word like that every 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 episode because yeah. it always gets a reaction from you. I love you liked subtended last time. Uh, well, I, I knew subtended, but I'd been reminded of it by you. You didn't, you didn't see it coming. Though, did you? I didn't see it coming. And a, a sub, an unexpected subtended is always going to put a smile on my face. Melatonin mm. is the key hormone behind SAD. They now, reckon. Isn't it the key hormone behind a lot of depressive symptoms? Uh... It's the key hormone behind seasonal depression, but I don't... I no, think I'm getting confused, aren't I? So what you've got... So melatonin is important for all of us to um, to keep that sleep-wake cycle right. fairly consistent. Because people take it when they go on flights, don't they? To sleep easier. Uh, so it is used as a treatment for jet lag, yes. Mm. Mm. Now, what I'm interested... What I think the researchers have said is that there are is a subgroup of people because we know of course um not everyone gets seasonally specific depression but those that do are particularly sensitive to changes in melatonin so the blood levels of melatonin they are high at night and low during the day let me get this right this melatonin stuff regulates your sleep what system is it part of basically uh the secretion of melatonin is higher at night and lower during the day its secretion is regulated by the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus. I knew that. Right, and that nucleus 
sends out an oscillatory neural signal dependent on how much certain receptors are stimulated in the retina by daylight. So let me ask a question. Is the reason for this so that you start to get in a rhythm of sleep and awakenedness based on light because we're, we're yeah. diurnal? Well, we creatures. need sleep, right? right? And the best time to have sleep is at night, unless you're a nocturnal animal, which we're not. We are not. And according to no this dude, Russell Foster, mm. the photoreceptors in our retinas evolved separately from the receptors that are used for vision. So they are completely sort of a separate system. Interesting. So that sleep-wake cycle evolved separately. Ah. But there's a certain pigment called OPN4, which is particularly sensitive to light in the blue spectrum and blue light signals to the pineal gland shut down melatonin production. That's what he's found. Wow. So, um, and the blue spectrum is particularly abundant in natural light, which is why artificial light is a poor replacement. There's 500 times the amount of blue wave, blue spectrum light in, that, in daylight compared to an LED, I so read. tell me this, um, because we can have all sorts of different coloured lights yeah. uh, at, say, a discotheque where we're dancing, yeah. um, why can't we um, artificially create light of the wavelengths? We can. That, ah, oh, this is good news. We can and we, we do, and that's what light boxes are for, but it can't be just blue light that we need, because otherwise light boxes would only... The therapeutic ones, the, the, the light therapy boxes, would only emit blue light. But can't it just uh, mimic the spectrum that we get from daylight? I think it does its best to do, it do that. It does its best to do that. Yeah. Cool. While also blocking out the harmful rays that we get from daylight. Well, yeah. Because right. if you're, if you're <laughs> you close up... from a light box. Well, you don't want UV. Yeah. Because then it's like just being on a on a um, sunbed yeah. <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. You're going to end up with a hilariously um, uh, lobster red face. A bit, bit gammon. A bit gammon, but an increase in your mood, which is not what you're after. You don't want a gammon look. You don't want a gammon look. That's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, yeah, so light, but light intensity is important. So you need, it's it's getting the right spectrum, it's getting the right amount of intensity. And I got a bit confused looking at it all, to be honest, because... Did you, Doctor? Yes, I did. Oh. I, I found the research findings slightly contradictory. Ah, well... Which ended up mainly because uh, I'm not sure that the quality of evidence of the research has been that that good. It's but also not black and white, is it? I mean, it none isn't. of these things with the mind are, which is what makes your job kind of interesting. Well, really. yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it seems that it's a bit of a spectrum. So uh, as at the same time as you're going to have variations in vulnerability to dips in, in light, right? in the first place you're also going to probably have a variation in the amount and type of light you need and so at the end of the day it's somewhere between an intensity of 5,000 lux and 10,000 lux that you need is that the SI unit of luminosity I thought it was the it candela is. it's the lux is it is, that, is, is it an, I don't know I, okay, you're the physicist fine. but going back to mechanism so melatonin probably affects serotonin and dopamine levels more in vulnerable individuals I think that's where the vulnerability is because we all have um, fluctuations in melatonin level. And I mm. don't think there's any link between amount of melatonin you produce and the amount of depression. Right. So the link must be to do with how melatonin suppresses serotonin, ah. how much it suppresses your serotonin production. Because lack of serotonin is bad. That mm. seems to be behind a lot of But depression. you're saying that it's not inevitable. The link between melatonin and serotonin 
So it's only different for each person. Yeah. So for so that's why not everyone gets winter depression. That's why not everyone who takes melatonin to cure their jet lag will instantly become depressed. What about um, different skin skin tones? Because presumably uh, there is a difference in absorbency of light between people with darker toned skin and lighter toned skin. Well, I don't think the skin is is the feedback mechanism. It's it's what comes through the retina, as I said. It's the photoreceptive re, photoreceptors in your eye that are controlling all this. I don't even want to go there, but it's fascinating to imagine whether blind people can. Um, well, a uh, different system, right? Visual acuity right. to photoreceptive That's acuity. That's absolutely brilliant. So you're still actually they evolved separately. So you're still, although you're not seeing images, you are having light exposed to you. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a great explanation, Doctor. Well done, because that one came out of the blue. You're on fire. So I think what you're saying is if you or I, or our producer, went into a dark box for a month, it's not inevitable that all of us would, would uh, we'd probably be a bit pissed off, actually. But say we had lots of stuff to do uh, and we were getting on with each other, it's it's not likely that we're all going to get nah. necessarily with depends nah. on our... Well, you've got the best natural experiment there is, which is the difference in lat latitude and the difference in prevalences at different latitudes. But you've still oh, yeah. got... You still got um, Okay, so you might have 25% of people get winter blues mm. in Alaska and 10% get SAD, but it's still not the majority. Got it. Are we convinced that light is the, is the main thing? 100%. Here? Right, I think Good. that this is deep, deep and Good. sexy research. Well, I think Rosie's a star. Well, it'll therefore come as no surprise to you that Dr. Rosenthal, Norman, says that 60 to 80% of SAD sufferers benefit from uh, light therapy. So Dr. Rosenthal from the Lightbox Co. From the uh, owner of the largest lightbox factory in Europe <laughs> and North America. Some of the biggest bulbs in the Northern Hemisphere. Gosh, that is amazing. And is the technology improving? Because we talk uh, about, you know, getting the correct frequencies and the correct sort of combination of frequencies that yeah. go in natural light. One assumes that. Yeah, I think, I think they have improved. I don't think the te technology is that complicated, though. Norman says that the best light therapy units are about one foot by one and a half foot in surface area behind a plastic diffusing screen which filter out ultraviolet rays. Mornings are the best time to get exposed and you should do it for between 30 and 90 minutes. But it will depend on the individual. And this podcast is brought to you by the Rosenthal Lightbox. Rosenthal, <laughs> a brighter way to lift your mood. So high efficacy and high tolerability of light therapy Better tolerated, obviously, than antidepressants. So it would probably be your first uh, port of call if you were suffering from winter depression. Interesting right? interesting fact that I see from your research uh, is the speed with which you get a response to the therapy. <clears throat> Two to four days, which, if I remember rightly from our um, treatment of depression podcast, is a lot quicker than antidepressants would be. Yeah, which speaking. would be more like four to six, four to, four to eight weeks yeah. response. Which yeah, is quite interesting. Uh, it can be, I also read a study that showed that people can respond within an hour. And apparently it's a big problem to persuade people to continue to use it once they start to feel better, hmm. um, which you can understand. But if they, the evidence shows that if you do stop using it, you slowly it comes back, the it's depression. Very, very unsurprising. Over a, over a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, I mean, it sounds like a great... If, if, if you're sensitive, if, if you are that light sensitive then there's very few downsides to it. I just wanted to pick up on what you said, actually, about time taken to improve with the light boxes. It just seemed to... it does Different sources say different things, and I think that's because there's a huge variation in, in people with SAD, hmm. in what gets them better, how long it takes to get them better. 
because I've also read it can be one to two weeks after initiating light therapy that people okay. see a difference. Mind you, even that's less. I, yeah, it's still less. Yeah. From the sort of week three onwards, it's yeah. still quicker. You should sit one to three feet away from the light box and carry on normal activities as, as much as practical and glance at the box periodically. And therapy is best administered in the morning. That's been shown to have a more powerful effect. So from dawn until about 8 a.m. And just to be absolutely clear, the main main effect is for light entering the eye, not yeah. into the same system with which we used to see stuff. If there's light falling on the retina, the, the hypothalamus will tell the pineal gland to shut off the melatonin mm. production. I imagine this wouldn't necessarily work with someone suffering from uh, non-seasonal affective depression because their mechanism for getting depressed is not melatonin You would have thought bound. so. I you would have thought so. But so light therapy in non-seasonal depression, there is some evidence that it might help. But there seem to be a lot of caveats like, uh, well, it's modest. It's a modest um, additional help, if you like, okay. perhaps alongside normal antidepressant therapy. Mm. And especially during the first week of treatment, I read should be in the morning. But also I read that it's people. Did you know sleep deprivation is a treatment for depression? We should probably do another rep on that. What? Yeah. Keeping people up at night. Good Lord. Yeah. Trouble is. They get a normal night's sleep again, boom, they're depressed again. That's so you have to, so it's, you can't sustain it. But there is some evidence that people who respond to sleep deprivation might respond more to light therapy. Which is a much so more something going therapy, on, right? So there is something going on there about the sleep-wake cycle being disturbed in depression, but um, intervening to try and restore it by giving people light therapy might have a... Might, might be useful and there's that there's that um uh, antidepressant agamelatin which um, um uh, is an agonist at melatonin receptors that helps some people with depression but it seems to me if you're giving someone melatonin and they're melatonin sensitive then you might trigger depression mm. so it's a it's an ambiguous so it may help people who are not like uh, ironic who are not melatonin sensitive yeah that makes sense but it's also stimulating serotonin receptors directly too mm. so it's a bit of a messy picture that cool um, right, so here's, an, here's another one for you then. Yeah. Uh, whilst we're talking about um, light sen light therapy for um, sufferers of, of non-sad uh, specific depression, what about for people who don't suffer? Yeah, what I've read is that people with winter blues. You're talking about no, no. I'm talking about people with no history of depression. Oh, and will it will it? Oh, uh, will it increase your mood if you're just having a bad day? We know we know that from studies in the workplace. That people are, who are sitting by a window getting more daylight are more productive and have a, a better mood. Good Lord. So the, the answer might well be yes, in fact. Uh, yeah. And also um, people who are, who are only getting artificial light will do better if they've got bright, brighter light. So the higher the luminescence, if you like. So there's that. In the workplace. Fluorescent, bowl, fluorescent lighting is terrible. Oh. LED is better and warm LED is the best. It's it's got a yellow, more yellowy light. All right, and how does that compare to a light bulb? The old-fashioned light bulb. Way better. Ah, way better. How? I think light bulb. The old, the old light bulbs the worst. Yeah, but there's this legislation in Norway, um, Askehus, Askehus Hospital, um, in Oslo, um, winner of a coveted Better Building Healthcare Award. Uh, they they seem to have some kind of daylight regulation with which they're very strict. Yeah. Um, which sounds like they are um, being serious about the fact that yeah, well, I think with I think they daylight will work better and be happier. Yeah, yeah, and be happier, crucially, and more productive. Mm. But just in just in a public health level, I mm. guess it's if if they've got levels similar to Alaska, which they probably do up near the Arctic Circle, right? Oh yeah, got to have. 
then that's a major public health concern. So, yeah, they have really strict laws on it. Unlike America, and I think UK, which has zero has to yeah. zero laws about i mean it's you, you, it's perfect i think i think bedrooms now have to have a window right I mean, that's been <laughs> i think i think that's been uh law for some time ever since window but, tax was, was I, abolished <laughs> but i i don't think you need to have a window in your bathroom you don't think you need to have one in your kitchen we don't spend that much time in your bathroom. Well, you do, obviously. Kitchen. Because you've got to Kitchen, you look because you're always a hungry lad. That's true. I spend hours in the kitchen. But so um, for for the general public, I think the advice is get enough daylight, get enough exposure to daylight. Mm. Don't necessarily have to go start using light boxes. Mm. In fact, in general, the strategy is just try and get out, go for a 20-minute walk in, in the daylight. Even in the winter, the daylight's still reasonably powerful sort of lunchtime mm. or in the even first thing in the morning is quite good. If that doesn't work, then then the next step up is the light box. It's good, isn't it? Really, because a lot a lot of the things that people do for common sense, things your mum would tell you, like go out and go for a walk, get some daylight, yeah. go out in the fresh air. It's all it's all stuff that actually makes makes sense. Well, also anecdotally, we've got a mate who told us he got I don't know if it's as serious as severe as SAD, but he got he sent, certainly got winter blues, mm. and he said that um, going for a swim in the winter cured it for him outside but i think it yeah but i think it might so obviously the cold water was bracing but i suspect the therapeutic element was just exercising outdoors getting more sunlight but also exercise is 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 generally therapeutic for depression isn't reflected it? off the water as well maybe yeah we should just say a few things which are important here which is um if if uh, people are, haven't responded to light boxes what do you do then oliver oh yeah that's a good one so couple of things spring to mind uh, even rosie rosenthal uh, owner of the <laughs> biggest light box production company this side of memphis yeah. um is saying only 60 to 80 percent of people using light boxes are going to do it and it's going to be effective for them right what is the next step in someone who's not responding they're definitely um got a seasonal aspect to their depression yeah they're not, they're not necessarily what about that 40 percent 40 20 to 40 percent you know, and um, the uh, there is evidence that, well, we've mentioned exercise. Exercise can help, but there's quite a bit of work done on antidepressants. Mm. So um, people do respond to antidepressants. And would you take them off antidepressants in the summer, maybe? In in theory, you should. And then what? Uh, reinstate them reinstate prophylactically them. in Reinstate September? them, yeah. 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 I guess that might, that might work. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, shall I summarise what I think I've learned? Sure. Uh, and tell me what I've missed out, because this has been a fascinating one. Very deeply researched. Well done, Doctor. Um, so one thing which is interesting is it is quite a recently um, observed, not observed, but a recently um, defined phenomenon. Uh, you know, the first reference seeming to be about 1984, which is well, some well, less than 40 years ago. Um, it would seem that the symptoms are very similar to a clinical depressive episode, although there is a type of um, uh, affective disorder which is not quite as serious. Um, it should really be called winter affective disorder because it happens in the winter because that's when the amount of light that people Aye. are being exposed to is less yeah. than it normally be. And therefore, there is an implication that the northern latitudes are affected worse. And I guess if there were a lot of people in the southern latitudes potentially there as well. Uh, but the, the big breakthrough seemed to me to me would be the, the light box therapy, which... Um, according to Dr. Rosie Rosenthal, uh, mm. 60 to 80 percent effective and mimics the type of radiation that you get in sunlight right. well to make it more 
um, effective. Yeah. Um, with thinking yeah. exercise helps, getting outside helps. And one really interesting thing that I had no idea about before um, was the mechanisms behind how your eyes work in terms of yeah. um, seeing things is different from the mechanism uh, in terms of the light affecting your sleep patterns and your mood. Right. So it could potentially affect blind people just as just as much. Um, yeah. Uh, but, but crucially, uh, you, know, you don't have to be staring into the light box to make it work for you. Yeah, um, that's right. But occasionally looking at it does. So yeah. quite an optimistic episode. We hope we, we also try to end on an optimistic note. Yeah, we do. I just want to add one thing that, you, that we I didn't mention before is that, um, well, I did mention that some a proportion of people have bipolar, so they can potentially go manic in the summer. Yeah. Right, in the spring or summer. Yeah. So those people need a different form of treatment. Mm. Or you need to keep an eye on those people a bit more. Yeah. Um, because the light box therapy can in some cases trigger a, an early mania mm. Um, mm. really and so it's generally advised that we make sure that someone's on a mood stabilizer which they should be anyway if they've got bipolar pattern of illness right so they don't go high mm. uh, in response to light treatment or um, or seasonally in the summer that's really interesting. So, as we always say, we have a little bit of a laugh doing this, and it's really enjoyable and very, very interesting. We realise it's a very serious topic, and always advise that if you um, feel like you're suffering from any kind of depressive illness, to talk to someone about it before it starts to affect your life even worse. You'll be amazed at the opportunities out there there are to make you feel better. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us on Why the Long Face. As ever, we're here to inform, hopefully, and entertain, but we're not here to give you medical advice. There is, however, information on our website, ytlf.com, that's W-H-Y-T-L-F.com, about where to get help. See you next time.